everyone. How is everyone's day going? My name is Paige, and I am Siobhan with my big, huge boobs. And my name's Emily, and I am Carlisle, hugging Siobhan, trying not to get smothered by her big, huge boobs. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. How's your day, Paige? How's it going? It's going pretty good. Um, I just had a grape popsicle. Call back to our previous episode where we were loving on grape. I uh, bought some popsicles at Costco today. Just the box looked really inviting, and I haven't had popsicles in years. And I'm not going back. I'm to a life of no popsicles. I am committed to popsicles now. They are so freaking good. I love them. Um, King Supers makes these, like, pomegranate ones that are really good. That sounds amazing. Yeah, they are. Super good. Um, Also, you could have told me that that happened five episodes ago and I would have believed you because they're all the same in my brain. (laughs) Well, another thing um, from last week's episode where I was confused about the day of the Office Ladies podcast coming out and I called myself stupid, a friend of the pod, Remy, told me that I'm not stupid and that they did say that their podcasts are supposed to air on Tuesday and that she just listens to them on Wednesday too. So just a heads up, everyone. I'm not stupid. Love that for you. Um, Not to take a big turn, but I think it's necessary. Um, I did just mention King Supers and I just want to say if we have any listeners in the Boulder, Colorado area, um, Paige and I both don't live in Boulder, but it's not that far away from either of us. It's a little bit closer to Paige. But um, in case you haven't heard, there was a mass shooting at a King Supers um, yesterday from when we're recording this. And once again, a white man was able to get an AR-15 assault rifle and indiscriminately kill people with it. So it's like the Onion headline says that they post literally every time this happens, which it seems like is every week now. I think it's something like, there's no way to prevent this, says the only country where this regularly happens. So what I'm trying to say is our hearts are with you if you're affected by this. I mean, we're all affected by it in some way, but we're thinking of you. And of course, um, if you were affected by the shootings in Atlanta last week um, that were a hate crime against Asian people of Asian descent, um, we're thinking of you as well. Yeah, it, you know... It's it is so horrible to say that it's just uh, like we're getting so dis- I mean I feel like I'm getting desensitized because I read a fucking headline like this every single week, but having it happen so close to home is just it's very very jarring and yeah our our hearts go out to if any of our listeners were directly affected and even if you weren't like it's still heavy and it can negatively affect you and. We're thinking about you, thinking about hopefully maybe maybe change will come, maybe, if people decide that, you know, mass murder after mass murder after mass murder should be stopped. I don't know. It's just, it's rough. Yeah, it is. So we're thinking about you guys, and we're hugging you from afar. I love hugs. I don't know about Paige. <laughs> I'm fine with hugs. You're okay. You're you're fine with them. You're okay with them. The thing is, though, is that my height, like if I'm hugging someone with big boobs, 
usually the boobs are in my face, which I mean, it's fine. I like boobs, so I'm not complaining about it, but like, it might be, it might be upsetting to the person with the boobs. <laughs> I don't have big boobs, so I can't, I can't say either way. <laughs> um, speaking of big, big boobs, I have, <laughs> <laughs> I my boobs measured like actually like for bra sizing and I have been wearing the wrong bra for a long time like significantly wrong bra for a long time I did see that on your snapchat story it did make me laugh at work (laughs) (laughs) so yeah just want to say it's really easy to measure yourself and it will save you a lot of money because I have so many bras that I physically cannot wear because they hurt me damn I guess I could try them on, but who has time for that? Nobody. Not you. You're busy. You're a busy bench. Business bench. Mm-hmm. I got two jobs. Yeah. And guess what? I'm essential in both of them. Yep. And you have a podcast. That's a third job. Yeah. <laughs> We're not getting paid enough for it. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm paid with experience. I'm paid with laughs. If ever, if anyone ever made a drinking game out of our podcast, they would black out if they were like, take a shot every time Emily complains about how they don't have any money. Take a shot every time Paige says, quote unquote. Okay, true. Um, we would literally kill someone if we did take a shot every time Emily says anyways. Yeah, that's a that's a trip right to the hospital to get your stomach pumped. Yes. Friend of the pod, Caroline, for my Christmas slash birthday gift. They're two days apart, so who knows, Um, which is awesome. I love that. But she made me um, this. Well, she like got a mug that you can like draw on, you know, and she just wrote anyways, dot, dot, dot. And super cute. I love it. I love that. (laughs) Uh, This is my legacy. I was going to say, do you see how sexy my collarbone is looking right now? This is what Catholic school does to us people. We think of collarbones as sexy. I am actually shocked that you said that because I have always thought that I was really weird because I find collarbones very, very attractive. And so much so that um, one of my past lovers who will not be named um, because we don't need to bleep his name out again. um, He used to send me clavicle pics. That was like an agreement that we had. Like, let me see your (laughs) like it's I think they're super hot (laughs) literally that is so funny I'm telling you psychologically it has to be because of Catholic school it has to I can't argue with it (laughs) it's like forbidden fruit (laughs) Uh, speaking of forbidden fruit how do you like that segue we've read chapters 14 and 15 of Midnight Sun. They were called Closer and Probability. What did you think of these two chapters, Paige? I I thought that they were super interesting. That's another shot. If, if we did shots, Paige says really interesting or super interesting, you would be dead. Um, I really, really enjoyed reading about the Siobhan storyline at the end of Probability. It's just... It's just so interesting hearing about other vampires and other vampire lifestyles and like the supernatural side of it. I th- I really like both of these chapters. Yeah, love that. It did seem kind of random, but I like that it was in there. 
Yeah, I mean, without any spoilers, are those characters that we're going to see again in later books? Much later, yes. Okay. Okay, so we left off at the end of chapter 13 with Edward leaving um, his house. He had just spent some time with Esme to go check on Bella, of course, and watch her in her sleep, as he does. So, um, they don't, or Stephanie Meyer doesn't spend much time in the night, which is good, because we've already seen this a million times. Um, so she basically just jumps into the next day when Edward has decided it is once again his day to ask Bella more questions. And so he starts off by asking about her mom and, you know, asking Bella to tell him more about her. And she she goes on a pretty long explanation of her and just talks about how her mom doesn't like to be in one place for too long and how she felt kind of guilty. And she does feel a little bit better with Charlie because she knows that he needs her. And Edward has this thought that, this is on page 293, perhaps this was the real secret as to why she was drawn to me. Had anyone ever needed her more? What do you think of this assumption? Do you think that it's true that Bella is drawn to Edward because he needs her? No, I I don't think that Bella even thinks that. Like, I... I think that she's kind of in the same boat as Edward, not realizing, thinking that the other person doesn't feel as strongly as they feel. Like, I think Bella thinks he's, like, pretty aloof. And, I mean, at this point, you know, like, she has no idea that he needs her to the extent that he does. So I don't think that that's... I don't think that's true. I think Edward is just trying to flatter himself. Yeah, I don't know. I, it just kind of came out of left field. I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, I I don't I don't buy it. Also, can totally off topic, but can you please read the tweet that I sent you yesterday about Edward Cullen? This is from Twitter user Ultragloss. If you're on like Twilight social media at all, you know her. her name's Trish. Um, and she just tweets about Twilight all the time, and it's so funny. Okay, here it is. The Twilight soundtrack is so good, but we have to remember that Edward Cullen would be the type of guy to be like, let me put you onto this indie artist you probably haven't heard of, and then play Mumford and Sons. <laughs> the accuracy! Oh, it's so true. <laughs> you know he was jamming out to it. I will wait, I will wait. I, I'm just eye-rolling at Edward forever. It's, it's just what I do. Yep, nothing's changed. The full-time job at this, at this point. <laughs> now you got four jobs. <laughs> so, um... He watches her throughout the day again when he's not with her. And he watches her through Jessica's eyes. And Jessica has this thought that is like, man, if they're not hooking up, that would be like torture. And Edward is like, what? Am I hurting Bella? And and then before he can like think about this too much, Alice gets a vision of her introducing herself to Bella. But she doesn't know like exactly when it's going to happen yet. We find out pretty soon, but um, 
So they end up going to lunch and Edward takes this opportunity to ask Bella about her dating history. I don't know. This is funny to me. Like I got secondhand embarrassment a little bit from it. This section literally reminded me of us going to the movies with CJ. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. If I know that we've talked about it before on the pod, but just to remind the listeners, one time in seventh grade, there was a huge group of us that were all planning to go see Harry Potter, and Emily, myself, and then a third classmate of ours had bought our tickets, and there was no one else there because they all decided to go see G.I. Joe instead, so just the three of us saw Harry Potter together. (laughs) It was actually really fun. It was super fun. It was super awkward. It's hilarious looking back on it now. Mm-hmm. We should go see a movie, us three. <laughs> we all live in Colorado. That would be the best throwback of all time. It would be. That would be so funny. Um, so Bella basically says that she's never really been on a real date. Like, she's been on group stuff. and um, But she says that she never had time to, like, date for real because she was running her household which I'm like that's fucked up but okay and she also had a part-time job and Edward was like well if you hadn't been so busy would you have wanted to date anyone and she was basically like no and then she very fairly asks for his dating history and he's basically like he basically says that it's the same but he doesn't give her any details which I think is rude but whatever so then he asks her about college and she says that she wants to go somewhere warm, but she needs to go to like a state school so that she can afford it. And there's more Persephone references. One thing that I do did want to point out on page 296, um, towards the top, Edward is thinking about how it's weird that he's like Bella's first, he calls himself her first infatuation And he says, surely this was a warped, unhealthy way for her to begin her romantic life. And then there was the knowledge that she would be both first and last for me. It would not be the same for a human heart. I just think it's weird that Edward, like, thinks humans are so fickle. I mean, I kind of get it because I guess if you've been around that long, you probably are jaded. But I'm just like, you know that some humans stay together for their whole lives. Probably, right? (laughs) Like, you know? And, you know, being alive for 117 years or whatever, you've had ample time to see healthy relationships of humans being in love and spending their lives together. I mean, I'm sure they've been somewhat removed from living alongside humans. Um, but, I mean, he can read people's minds. He he could see, like, people being in love. And, yeah, it's... I just it just goes back to Edward finding something wrong always with every human ever. Like he's really nothing very good to say about humankind. Which to be fair, we suck, but um he never has anything good to say. Yeah, and also I feel like even though he has been around to see healthy relationships, he probably had has his head so far up his ass that he like hasn't actually witnessed anything. Yeah. I mean how how can you see if your head is literally in your ass. It's just impossible. That would be impossible. My back hurts just thinking about it. You could, um, rent, you could, uh, twist it out like a wet towel. 
Doesn't that, okay, I know, like, you thought it was weird when I said that, but doesn't it sound like it would feel nice? Like, a science aside. It might feel nice. I like getting my back walked on. I like when Tina walks on it. But I don't know about twisting it like a towel. I don't know. <laughs> Think about it and get back to me. <laughs> so, um, then he asks her what she wants to do with her future. And... She basically says she wants to be a teacher because she thinks being an editor is really not practical. And then they're quiet for a bit and Edward starts thinking about tomorrow. And I'm just, I just want to say it will never not be hilarious that he was expecting her to be terrified of him in the sun, terrified or revolted that those were the two words he used. And she was like, that's hot. Also, it's not terrifying. Like what happens is not scary. Like, it's sure weird. Maybe revolted. Maybe. But terrified? What do, you, what do you think is scary, Edward? This is not scary. Literally how I picture it is, you know, in like blacktop or asphalt, how there's like those little random shiny spots? Yeah. I just picture that. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like I picture like when girls wear highlight, like on their cheekbones and stuff and like you can see it sparkling that's what I think of <laughs> just like that turned up a little yeah um I guess I mean he says that he was afraid the first time he saw Carlisle in the sun I'm like grow up but okay <laughs> and while he's thinking about that he's thinking about the meadow Alice has a very intense vision so essentially, Alice has a current vision. Edward tries to argue that it's her old one that she had when um, Bella first got involved with Edward. Um, but it's a current one where Edward kills Bella in the meadow. So at that point, Alice is like, we got to get out of here so we can talk. Um, so we finally figured out the day. It's Friday because he keeps saying tomorrow. <laughs> finally! <laughs> I... I, all I can say is, now I'm satisfied. Now I know. Yep. <laughs> and so obviously they're going to talk about this in the next chapter, which we also read. Um, but Edward lets Bella know about him leaving early. And tells her that he's going to go hunting with Alice and that she is the most supportive. What did you think about... At this point, what do you think about the vision? She It doesn't really explain what's happening, but I'm assuming you kind of did the math. I, I thought that it was going back to the vision of Bella being a vampire, because that was always the one that, like, made, or that caused Edward to have the biggest reaction. And since he was so upset, I kind of thought it was that. Um, but it's also not surprising that this would be the vision. Um, I just was thinking it was something else. I'm a little bit surprised at how, like, how much Alice reacts to it. Like, I know that she cares about Bella, but she, like, freaks out. And she's like, I will not allow this to happen. And is, like, yelling at Edward mentally. And I'm just like, hmm. I wonder if it's because it's a second vision of the same thing. But now it's in a, a confirmed location where they're going to be like, this could literally happen tomorrow. And so for her to have two different visions of the same outcome, and now one is like very clear, and it's at a location that is they're going to be at tomorrow. 
that would be kind of frightening. You know, this girl that you want to be friends with, it, it might, it's even more possible now that Edward is going to kill her. I, I can understand her having a loud reaction to that. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I just feel like, I don't know, they're, I think I get confused because their reactions are so, like, not matched. Like, Edward's like, it's fine, it's fine. Obviously, later he kind of freaks out. But, like, right now, he's like, I'm just not going to deal with it right now. <laughs> like, that's just not, it's not really Edward's style. So I guess Alice's, like, heightened reaction, I'm like, this is weird. That's fair. Yeah. Um. So... Before um, Alice and Edward take off, um, as I just said, Edward explains that Alice is the most supportive. And Bella's like, so what about everybody else? And he says, incredulous for the most part. And Bella says, they don't like me. And he says, that's not it. And Rosalie goes, bah! (laughs) Love her for that. But it gets even better because... um, Edward says, they don't understand why I can't leave you alone. And Bella says, neither do I for that matter. And she is looking at them the whole time Edward is talking and trying to be like, this is why I'm in love with you or whatever. And she's looking over there and Rosalie <laughs> like snarls at her or whatever, which we know happened from Twilight. But her internal monologue, goggle at me, will you, you bat-faced little nuisance. <laughs> I like bat-faced. It's very funny. It's so specific. Like, she was cooking that one for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will give you $50 if you call someone a bat-faced, nu- bat-faced little nuisance next time you're at Chipotle, like a customer. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I I don't know if I will do that, but... I'll, I'll think about it. Um, this is totally random, but it, it just made me, I just thought of it. So there is this girl, her name is Rachel. I know what her last name is, but I'm not going to say it for privacy. Um, she orders, she used to order more frequently. I definitely say I would see, I see her name at least once a month more for sure. But like, she's regular enough that I know her name. She gets the biggest burritos I've ever seen in my entire life. They are enormous. I hate her order. It's disgustingly large. She gets extra of everything that doesn't cost extra. And she gets like rice, beans, fajitas. I think she gets, she doesn't get meat, but she gets the soy alternative. And then she gets extra of like three salsas, extra sour cream, extra cheese, guac, and extra lettuce. Like They're huge burritos, and sometimes she gets them in bowls, but then she also gets, like, five of them. Like, a lot. Her bag is so heavy. It is so much food that I looked her up on Facebook because I was like, I need to know who this person is. All I'm saying is, if you have a a weird order like that or you order a lot, your local Chipotle employees might look you up on Facebook because I just, like, I had to put a face to her monster burritos. They're shocking (laughs) I wonder who she's feeding with those things maybe like a small sports team (laughs) maybe that could be it someone um we have a group me for like all the co-workers like oh hey can someone cover my shift blah blah uh one of my co-workers took a photo of her burrito and it said like this burrito will haunt my nightmares so I'll send you a photo of it when we're actually I'll just pull it up right now it's in a bowl for scale 
Oh my god, that is massive. It is like extending over both sides of the bowl. Yeah, it's it's double wrapped. It would be impossible to roll it with one tortilla. It's close to impossible rolling it with two. Jesus. Yeah. Rachel, you do you, I guess. Rachel, if you're a fan, I'm sorry, but you have to stop. <laughs> Maybe just like one less salsa, Rachel. Yeah, or just a normal amount of anything. <laughs> I don't like to shame people for their orders, but damn. So, where were we? Rosalie. Okay. Um, Edward, like, snarls back at her, and <laughs> Rosalie says she started it. I'm like, no, she didn't. <laughs> she didn't do anything. <laughs> but also, I support you. <laughs> I support you. I don't support the claim. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Um, so Edward explains that his family, or Rosalie, and he doesn't say everybody else, but, like, it's implied, are worried, like, if he ends up killing her, he spent a lot of time with her publicly, so people would be suspicious. And then he goes to leave with Alice, and, of course, Alice shows up. I love that he says, I'd seen this part before. (laughs) It's so funny. Um, and Alice introduces herself. Well, Edward introduces her to Bella. And they get ready to leave. So Edward says goodbye to Bella and tells her to be safe. And then writes her a note to be safe. It's like, overkill. Jeez. Um, So then he joins up with Alice. And they have to find Alice or Bella's truck key so that they can bring Bella's truck to the school so that she has a way to get home. And it is so, like, this is such a convenient way to find shit that you've lost. Like, Alice basically just has visions of herself looking for it in all these different places, and then she finds it in the vision, so then she's like, okay, that's what I have to do. Like, imagine! I, it's it's genius, is what it is. I'm so jealous. Work smarter, not harder. For real. Like, imagine all the different applications of that. Like... It's just mind boggling. Like I am thinking about this grant that I'm writing at work and she, I'm like, she would have all the visions of all the ones that would like potentially work to get funded and would it? It's like, you could literally do anything. Yeah. You could, you could enjoy eating a whole lasagna before you even actually eat it. You could eat it twice. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Not where I was picturing that conversation going, but I agree. Um, so then they get Bella's truck and they drive it back to school. Edward writes his creepy little note. And that is the end of that chapter. Did you have any notes from this one that we didn't cover? I didn't, but I do want to add, um, maybe I'll get hate for this, but I don't think the note is creepy. I kind of like it. <laughs> I don't think, uh, maybe creepy's the wrong word. Maybe it's just, like, I just really do think it's overkill. Like, he told her to be safe when he was leaving, and then leaves her another note that is, like, be safe again. Like, if the note was, like, can't wait for tomorrow, that'd be cute. Exactly. again? Yeah. No, you're right. You're definitely right about that. I, Danny and I are big note writers for each other because back in the day, like, he would have to leave for work before I was even up, and he would, like, leave a note, like, I had fun, like, drive home safe, blah, 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 so it would be, like, saying goodbye, even though he wasn't there, and I would do the same thing, 
So it's just like, it's nice like to, to have something to remember, like, oh, the person and the fun time. But yeah, you're right. The note could have been anything else, but he chose the thing he's already said a million times. Yep. So the next chapter begins right where the last one left off. And so he gets into the car with Alice and they kind of go over these visions that she's having. So I just want to get your overall impression on all the things that Alice sees before we go over them. I think they're all valid at the time. You know, he hasn't really allowed himself because I know I know what's going to happen at the meadow and knowing like what happens he's not put himself in that situation yet so he really really doesn't know if he's going to be able to restrain himself or not so I think I think they're all valid I I could see them being worried that any of these things could happen for sure um however the one where she's very clearly pregnant and they don't explain it. I was just like, what? What? There's one where she's pregnant. What? There is? I didn't interpret it that way. I just assume because it says something in regards to like an interesting shape in her stomach. Like like the, the roundness. Yes. It's the one where they're sitting on the couch as a family. Him, her, and Alice. And she's older. And what page is it on? I'll read it to you. 310, I'm there. Her body had rounded subtly, giving a new curvature to her slender frame. That's all it says. I interpreted it as that she's pregnant. Oh, that's interesting. I interpreted it as her getting older, and that's it. Oh, well, (laughs) I mean, I guess it could be that. But, I mean, I do know that she has a, a kid at some point, so... I th- maybe my brain is just filling that in because I I know that to be true. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could see it either way, but that's how I interpreted it. It's very interesting. Damn. Okay. Let me think about that in the background. So there's a lot to go over here because the multitude of Alice's visions are insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the part where Edward tries to argue that this isn't a new vision. It's just the one that Alice is remembering. And she says, nope. And he says, I'll cancel. And she's like, nope. And then he says, I just won't talk to her anymore. Nope. I'll leave. Nope. Um, and then they briefly talk about like, so he says that he'll leave. And she says, if you leave, you will come back. And he says, no, I won't. And she says, you can't stay away. Maybe if it was just your own pain. And then she pictures Bella in all these different like settings. And she just looks like really depressed, basically. Um, And she says that Bella looks like that because Edward left. And um, Edward's like, well, maybe that's better. And Alice is like, you couldn't do that, basically. Like, you couldn't deal with yourself if you left her that unhappy. He can't even go a night without watching her sleep when there's literally no danger to be had. See? (laughs) Um, So then Edward says, I should never have come back. 
And Alice tries to like hide her thoughts at this point, but she can't. And she realizes that, or he realizes through Alice's thoughts that if he like hadn't come back and learned to love Bella, he would have come back to hunt her and drink her blood. And he gets really mad. And I'm sorry, this is so dramatic, but he's like, give me something that will work. Tell me another path. Show me how to stay away, where to go. That's the tone he says it into, I'm pretty sure. I I 100% think so. Oh, my Lord. Um, so, once again, he brings up the Persephone thing. This is the top of page 309, because Alice is thinking about um, Bella as a vampire. And he says, Alice and Bella, arms around each other, both marble white and diamond hard. One too many pomegranate seeds, and she was bound to the underworld with me. No way back. Springtime, sunlight, family, future, soul, all stolen from her. And I just rolled my eyes at Paige. <laughs> and then um, Alice starts talking about this knot, is what they keep referring to it as. I think, okay, this would be another thing that would send people to the hospital is me saying how interesting I find Alice's visions to be. But this is so interesting how there's like all these little like threads and she can't see like certain ones on the other side. I don't know. What do you think of that? Yeah, I 100% agree. I think it's, I think it's a really great analogy for what is going on right now. Like literally a jumble of all different paths and no clear answer in the middle as to where where each one is going, what's going to lead towards the end. I, I thought it was perfect. Yeah, it is. It's super interesting. And I was just about to say, like, I can't believe Edward went through with it with, like, this amount of uncertainty. But it's because Alice says, you can't avoid it, Edward. You're going to have to face it. Knowing it, it could easily go either way, you still have to face it. So basically she's saying, like, you got to go to that meadow. And then figure out what happens after that. Yeah, I just, I don't know how, how Edward thinks that he, that there's a possibility that, like, he just wouldn't go. Like, bro, we all know you're gonna go. Like, you have to deal with this at some point. You have allowed yourself so much. What what did you think was gonna happen? You know, you're, I'm just, I'm just. I'm just laughing at him in my mind. Me too, but it's like sardonic laughter because I'm a big fan of avoiding problems in the hopes that they'll go away. Um, So then Alice, this is what we were talking about a little bit earlier. She says, do you want some good news? Um, And she says she's seen a third way. So the, two ways being Bella dead or Bella being a vampire. And she shows him like this kind of sketchy vision where, as we said earlier, Bella is older, potentially pregnant. <laughs> um, and she's with Alice and Edward. So they're still like obviously spending time together, but she's getting older, which is exactly what Edward wants to happen. Why do you think Alice didn't mention this before? It's a good question. I think, I don't know. I almost feel like Alice feels this responsibility to like share the gravity of the situation with Edward because like if she just told him like, oh, I saw there that there's a possibility that y'all are going to be together in a few years. Like he wouldn't 
I don't agree, but maybe she thinks that he wouldn't, like, take it as seriously and might, like, let his guard down, you know? Mm, that makes sense. It also seems like it's, so she, her, she said it was grainy. Like, it's not as clear as the other one, so she, she probably thinks that this one doesn't have as much of a probability of being the one, and, like, why get someone's hopes up if they're just gonna murder this person and it's not, it would, there's no way it would ever happen, you know? Yeah, that's a really good point as well. Um, yeah, so Alice, about that vision, says, it's still not very probable, but I thought you'd like to know it was there. If you two get through the crisis, this is out there. And then Alice has this little interesting moment where she's like, what do you, you know, what do you think Bella might want? Did you, did it ever occur to you that she might want to be a vampire? And he's like, that's insanity. No one would choose. And she interrupts him and says, no need to argue about it now. Crisis first. I love that. She's like, we're going to argue about this later. So I'll just <laughs> deal with it later. I just, I, Edward seems like the kind of person who's always arguing with everyone always. And Alice is like, been there, done that. We don't need to do this right now. I've heard enough of this. <laughs> love that for her. So um, Alice says, I love you. You can do this, which I thought was a sweet moment. Mm-hmm. And Edward says, like, I need a minute, basically. So he kind of goes into this, like, self-reflection um, for a few moments. And he's like, how he keeps referring to the part of him that wants to kill Bella as the monster. And so he's like, how do I kill it? And then he, um, and this is a trigger warning, so we'll put the timestamp in the episode description of when you can skip ahead to, but um, he considers suicide. And he thinks of, like, different methods that maybe that this could happen. He mentions briefly that Carlisle had exhausted most of the possibilities in the beginning of his new life. Um, And then he says, well, someone in my family would be capable, but they won't do it. And then he won't ask any of Carlisle's friends. And then he says something about, unless I did something stupid, like go to Italy, and then briefly thinks about the Quileutes and how they could have done it too if they weren't quote-unquote toothless. This is a whole lot of new information for you. So what did you think of it? I, it made me really want to know who the heck is in Italy. That's all I want to know. I, it makes me think that maybe it's tied into where Jasper is from because his, where he's from is very warring, battling, fighting a lot. So whoever's in Italy, I feel like is very lethal. That's that's what my first thought is. I also the Volturi is mentioned for the like the first time maybe um, in this chapter, and I'm like maybe that's where they're from. I don't know. Okay, who do you think they are? I think that it's it's mentioned briefly that they're like the police of the vampire world, Mm -hmm. but I don't really know what that means. Like. Are there rules? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see, won't we? <laughs> um, what did you think about the comment about Carlisle? It, I mean, it, sh- it just shows how much he's persevered at, to get to where he is. Like, having something like that happen can cause anyone to 
go to their lowest, basically. And to see that he's worked himself up to where he is now is just really admirable. Yeah, I agree. Because mm-hmm. I've thought for a bit that we had gotten this explanation in Twilight, but then I'm like, no, we didn't. Edward doesn't tell Bella that, like, Carlisle had had this period in his life, you know? I, yeah, I I think maybe he may have said, like, those first years were difficult or something like that. But I don't think that he mentions the specifics of how it was difficult yeah yeah so once he dismisses that idea he is like I guess I have to deal with it (laughs) and um he says all I could do it seemed was cling to my decision with both hands with all my strength I would be stronger than my monster I would not hurt Bella so then he's made his decision. And as soon as he does that, Alice is like, oh, that looks better. Um, he, she keeps saying probabilities, which is definitely why the chapter is named as it is. Um, she says that he's at 70, 30, 70, not going to kill her, 30, going to kill her. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they leave the car to go hunting. And Alice gives Edward a little treat by finding him a mountain lion to hunt. And she goes off on her own hunt. And then they hunt some deer together. And Edward just keeps talking about how he's too full. He can't, like, have any more. And then um, Edward's like, well, you can you can keep hunting, you know, if you, like, want to. And she's like, actually, I'm going to go out with Jasper tomorrow. And Edward's like, wait, what? And Alice is like, yeah, Bella might be coming over to the house on Saturday, so I wanted everyone to be ready. Like, it's just so crazy that she's like, don't kill her tomorrow. And then she's like, but she's coming to the house on Saturday. (laughs) I mean, I know she says there's, like, um, an outlying chance, but it's still funny to me. I I mean, you gotta be prepared. You never know when Bella might pop by. True, true. (laughs) And her stupid khaki skirt. Don't even. Oh my god, we're coming up to the khaki skirt again. Not looking forward to it. Mm-mm. I wasn't looking forward to it the moment that I knew we were reading this book. <laughs> you hate that fucking skirt so much. I just, why is it so long? I, I can't. I don't know. I feel like it's like religious fashion or something. Homeschool fashion. Facts. Sorry to the homeschoolers. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to be roasting. <laughs> um, okay, so this is just about the end of the scene with Alice. Um, but she says that Edward's at 75-25, and Edward gets kind of sad. And she's like, come on, you take that bet. I did. And Edward gets mad because he's mad that his siblings made a bet about Bella's life. And Alice is like come on, I knew I was going to be right. And Edward's like, you're not omniscient. And she says, I'm close enough. And I just think Alice has so much big dick energy in this moment. I love it for her. Alice has a lot of big dick energy all the time. Yes, true. If only I could have a percentage of that BDE. Mila literally just climbed out from underneath the chair I've been sitting in. She's (laughs) here the whole time. She's a little creeper. She is. That's creepy. So they go home and um, 
Emmett told everybody to get out because Edward's mad about the bet. And so Carlisle is home and so is Esme. And Edward just nods at Carlisle. And then he's like, okay. So then he goes um, with Esme. And then they end up leaving too because um, they can all just tell that like he wants to be by himself. Casually climbing out of a window to leave the house. Honestly, I'm jealous. I kind of always wanted to climb out of a window. I, I don't know why. I just imagined it's like a window at the top of the house. And it, it just like seems so like if you were watching from the outside, you'd be like, what the fuck are those two people doing? Yeah, I was just jumping out of the window. That would be crazy. So Edward takes a shower and then he starts thinking about what he should wear tomorrow, which such a mood. We've all done this before a date. Mm-hmm. And this is so fucking crazy about this shirt. So Edward basically realizes that he has to wear a shirt where his skin is going to be exposed so that he's not like hiding behind his clothes and not showing Bella like the full expression of what happens to him. And he finds this like that fucking weird ass shirt that we made fun of in Twilight that's like sleeveless. And it is weird because Bella, Bella, Alice had bought this for him like years ago before Bella was ever in Forks. And she just was like, I just thought that you might like need it someday. She like doesn't even really know why she bought it herself. And it's just so crazy, like how far forward and backward her visions can stretch. Yeah. And it, I, it, to me, it seemed like she didn't even really have a vision. It just was almost like an inkling, like something was tugging at her, like, this is important. But she had not even a vision to see why. It was just sort of like, hey, look at this, get this, you know? Yeah, I wish I had that. I do, um, but the things that I buy are, like, Pokemon cards, and they don't actually help me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a thought that counts. Yeah. Um, okay, so once Edward gets dressed, he's like, oh my god, Bella could be dead. So he goes to her house again, and um, he has to sit outside for a while because her and her dad are still up, Bella's doing laundry, Charlie's watching sports, and then um, he hears Bella, like, kind of getting ready and, like, blow-drying her hair, and he's like, oh my god, she wants to look nice for me. I'm like, yeah, it's literally a date, like, who wouldn't? Edward is so blind. I'm like, I thought you had superpowers. Yeah, Yeah. you you cannot see one foot in front of your face. For real. And then he's shook that she, like, has clothes all over the place. Like, he didn't just have the same dilemma of being like, what am I going to wear? I'm, I can't, I can't say this enough. This boy, you know, he's always talking about how smart he is, about all of his college degrees. Is he that smart? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like he's book smart. I feel like he has no common sense at all. Yeah. I feel like between him and Bella, there are three total brain cells, and Bella has two of them. Say less. I... (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) So, um, okay, so I think this is a weak transition, personally. I think Stephanie Meyer just wanted to tell this story, and so she did. But as 
um, Edward is sitting in Bella's room as she's sleeping. He says, I thought of the emptiness of a life without Bella, and it brought to mind one night I'd not thought of for a very long time. So he goes into this flashback, essentially, and it's about or, uh, over a year since Carlisle turned him into a vampire. So it's 1919. And he talks about how he's still getting used to, like, not um, hunting humans because, you know, that's his desire when he was first turned. And how weird looking humans are, which I'm like, this was rude for no reason. I actually, I really did appreciate him pointing out, like, we must look insane to these people. Like, imagine a person in 1919. They are covered in dirt. They're clothes have holes in them they are covered in pox I don't know and then you see Robert Pattinson walking down the the street with whoever the actor is who plays Carlisle I would be like excuse me (laughs) like he's talking about how weird they look but I'm like I bet they're thinking the same thing about you Edward you're so hot (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I kind of took it personally because I'm like, human faces haven't changed that much since 1919. I'm like, he he thinks I'm ugly. That is literally the thought that I had. I was like, Edward Cullen thinks I'm ugly. Well, I think you're ugly, so what the fuck? Do you have a blue blouse and a long khaki skirt? Because I think that you could change his mind. Do you think I would have a long khaki skirt? Look, I just asked. <laughs> I do not have a long khaki skirt. <laughs> In fact, I was just talking about this today um, with my coworker. I'm like, I still cannot really wear the color red. Like, I wear it occasionally, but after I wore it for 10 years on the same polo for that long, like, I'm like, I'm good. And in middle school, our skorts were khaki. So I'm like, it's a no. Do you ever go to Target after school and people like, pointed out that you look like an employee? No. I'm going to get major haters for this. I am not that big of a Target fan. I just feel like it's kind of how I grew up. Like, Target was bougie. Like, we couldn't afford Target. So I'm like, I don't know. I kind of have this crusade. I mean, I'm fine with it. It's Target. It's fine. But I'm like, they sell almost the exact same things for, like, at least 50% more than Walmart. Long story short, no, I did not go to Target after school. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> you did, didn't you? <laughs> well, like, if my mom picked me up and we had to run errands, you know, like, yeah. I had to. I was in middle school, so I couldn't drive. <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, I'm not hating on all you Target lovers, because I know it's literally 99.99% of the human population. Just wasn't for me when I was a kid. A little bit now. I get makeup there now occasionally. Nice. So, anyways, um, Edward is talking about how he's getting used to these human faces, and he's passing his tests. So then Carlisle decides to live among humans for a week. So they go to Canada. And it's really hard on Edward at first because, you know, they're staying in a hotel and so there's human sense just everywhere. But he's really determined to succeed because even at this point, Carlisle is like his father figure and he idolizes him and he wants to make him proud with everything that he does. Um, 
So then um, it, it's actually around Christmas. So Carlisle sends Edward out one evening um, to walk alone for the first time. And so Edward is like taking this very seriously and he's very careful. And when he gets back, it turns out it was just a distraction so that Carlisle could put a big Christmas tree in the hotel room. What did you think about this whole scenario, I guess, scene? I loved it. It's so cute. I just, it just really, I, I mean, did you like it before I, before I launch into how cute it is? I did like it. I, it kind of made me sad that Edward was like, I don't really care about this. Like, yeah, that, that pissed me the fuck off. I was like, imagine having a dad who goes out of his way to do this and surprise you. I would be so tickled. Yes, I agree. And it also has the same energy as Elf when they cut down that tree in the park. Because I'm like, where did Kylo get this tree? He literally brought it into a hotel room. Yeah. Also, there's a, at one point he's like, I have popcorn. And I was like, oh my gosh, like a fun snack to have while you're doing this. And I'm like, wait, no, Paige, that's not what he means. Yeah, I actually had to look that up because I assumed it was something they were going to be putting on the tree. But yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. I only know about that because it's in um if it's in it's either in if you give um if you give a mouse a cookie or I think it's if you give a mouse a cookie he it's like and then he'll want to eat some popcorn and then if you give him the popcorn he'll want to put the popcorn on the Christmas tree and I remember like we obviously never did that as like part of our Christmas tradition but I always thought like do people do that that's so weird like I never even thought about that yeah it's kind of weird it sounds cool yeah it sounds like it would attract like ants yeah it does maybe you just get fake popcorn <laughs> is that a thing get un unpopped kernels <laughs> styrofoam peanuts yeah so um as we just said I'm gonna breeze over this because it makes me mad but Edward's kind of like eh, I don't really care about human traditions but it is nice that he did this just fucking grow up and be grateful that he did this for you so rude so then the next night they go out for a hunt and while they're hunting Edward smells he doesn't describe them as human and so um he realizes that it's two other vampires um, so we already had to kind of mention them, Siobhan and Maggie. Um, so they kind of chase after them. Not really because Siobhan and Maggie aren't really trying to get away, but they do catch up to them. And so we meet these two characters. And Paige and I had a good laugh about this before we started airing when we were trying to figure out figure out our intro. Because it's like, just say Siobhan had big boobs. Like, literally, I'll just read this description of her. It's on page 324. At first, only one vampire emerged from the snow-dusted trees. She was the largest woman I had ever seen, taller than either Carlisle or me, with broader shoulders and thicker limbs. However, there was nothing masculine about her. She was profoundly female in shape, aggressively, forcefully female. It was clear she'd had no intention of passing for a human tonight. She wore only a simple sleeveless linen shift with an intricately designed silver chain as a belt. And then he says, it had been in another lifetime when I had last noticed a woman this way, and I found I was hard-pressed to know where to put my eyes. <laughs> God. Grow up. I mean, 
I can kind of get it because at this point he's still freshly a vampire so he probably still has memories of being a human and finding other humans he was 17 so finding other people and women attractive so I uh, I don't doubt it I don't doubt it (laughs) it's just so funny the way he like won't say that she has big boobs or is like is sexy (laughs) I mean, I know that's, like, not really his culture and the time period he comes from, but it's it's just weird. I don't know. So, I, think, I think big bazungas, they can, they can pass a lifetime, you know? Or, like, the, I think, you know, big old boobs are favored at any time period. I wish you hadn't just said the word bazungas. But other than that, I agree. <laughs> Oh, would you rather me say knockers? No! Are we children? God. Um, so before I get into any farther into this interaction, um, what are your general thoughts about this? I know that you said you really liked it. Um, how did you feel about these two characters and kind of what goes down? I, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was interesting. But something about Siobhan is sus I don't know I I can't really put my finger on it the way that she's kind of like she has no care about turning people um she does it because she thinks almost like they're commodities like adding this to her coven basically will be worthwhile and doesn't consider like that it's a person and that you're changing them literally forever and just like the way that I, like I I just felt like really suspicious about her. Like there was, she didn't do anything wrong and she didn't say anything rude or mean, but like it also says that she was obsessed with the Volturi, like she had a fa- a crazy fascination with them. And I don't know a lot about them, but I I I'm pretty sure that they're villains. Like I'm I'm fairly positive that they're the enemy at some point. So like the fact that she has this fascination with them, it just makes me feel sus about her yeah that's fair and also Maggie is like really quiet the whole time and she doesn't really say anything and that she like she has this really crazy power and knows like stuff about them it just it just had like almost like a creepy vibe okay yeah what do you think like if you had to guess at they never say what her actual power is so what do you think it is hmm I I thought they did say. Do they? Maybe they don't. Because she she thinks in her head that like she knows Carlisle's hiding something, like she he he's not being fully honest. So maybe he know maybe her power is like knowing if people are lying or like telling the truth. Um, you don't know like what the truth is or what the lie like or what the truth is but you do know that they're not being truthful. Yeah, I like that theory. So as these two kind of show up, Edward is taking it all in. I mean, this is the first time that he has run into any other vampire other than Carlisle. And he says that there's like a strange relief because they are so beautiful. And he says the symmetry was soothing. And then when Siobhan hugs Carlisle, who they clearly know each other, um, and 
Edward has to hold himself back from like jumping in between them just because his instinct is to defend Carlisle. And he obviously Siobhan doesn't know that Edward can hear everything that she's thinking. And she says, I wonder why now there must be something special about the boy. And Edward is kind of like, what does that mean? And you kind of find out later that Siobhan likes to find people who have, who she thinks will have gifts as vampires. And then at the same time, Maggie um, realizes that what Carlisle is saying is true, but there is something that he's not saying. And then Siobhan has this thought about Edward because she's looking at the, his oddly colored eyes because Stephanie Meyer does make it clear that Maggie and Siobhan's eyes are red, meaning that they um, feed on humans. So Siobhan has this thought, poor boy, I suppose Carlisle has imposed his odd habits on the lad. That's why his eyes are so strange. How tragic to be de deprived of the greatest joy of this life. And this one line like lives with Edward forever, which that's happened to me. Like anytime someone tells me something about like an insecurity of mine, I literally will never forget it. Like someone told me that my voice sounds deep like a guy. And since then I have hated my voice like so much. What a horrible thing to say. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and so this lives with Edward and it kind of actually is the driving force behind, which we already knew about, when he leaves Carlisle and Esme to hunt down, like, rapists and killers. And he thinks that once he does that, it'll feel like he'll feel joy and it'll be really satisfying, but it's not because he says, I couldn't keep from seeing the ugliness. I couldn't forget what Carlisle must think of my choice. Um... And then he says, I was never sure then why the blood wasn't the existence crowning ecstasy that Siobhan had believed it to be, why I continued to miss Carlisle and Esme more than I enjoyed my freedom, why the weight of each kill seemed to accumulate until I was crippled under their combined load. Um, so now, I guess this transition isn't that bad, but Edward kind of uses it to segue into saying, the greatest joy of my life is being with Bella. And... Um, Anyways, so before I go into the end of this chapter, um, he just says that Siobhan and Carla had spent the whole night talking. Um, he does mention um, Siobhan's fascination with the Volturi and how interested she is in finding talents. Um, and she thought that Maggie might have a talent. So that's why she changed her. Yeah, so about Maggie, he says, this explained Maggie's strange response to my introduction. She knew Carlisle, Carlisle was holding something back by virtue of her own gift. So it sounds like your theory is pretty spot on. What can I say? My <laughs> gift is being really smart. <laughs> True. Um, so yeah, so then he talks about leaving Carlisle and Esme to become a quote-unquote hunter. So then back in Bella's room, he says... Um, the greatest joy of my life was this fragile, brave, warm, insightful girl sleeping so peacefully nearby, Bella, the very greatest joy that life had to offer me and the greatest pain when she was lost. And then Alice calls him and she says, I know you can't talk because you'll wake up Bella. Um, but she says, I thought you would want to know it's 80, 20 now, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And then she hangs up and Edward's basically like, 
What I was, this is the exact last little section of the chapter. What I was doing was basking, drowning, wallowing in my love for Bella. I didn't think it would be difficult to keep doing that. Do you have any notes from this chapter we didn't cover? Nope, we got them all. It was kind of interesting, like a mix of time periods. She's done this a couple times now. Um, when Edward thought about that one person that he killed that like he had never forgotten. I mean, obviously he's never forgotten any of them, but it's just interesting how she mixes these flashbacks in kind of randomly almost. Yeah. And I mean, I, I really enjoy it too, because it, it makes Midnight Sun its own book. Like what I was really worried about with this book was that it was going to be boring because it's the same story we already read, but with all of these additional little storylines and tangents, it's, it's its own book. Other things are going on. So it's, it's keeping my interest because it's brand new information too. Yeah, definitely. That's a good point. So for next week, we're going to be reading chapter 16, which is called the knot. It's pretty short, but the chapter after that is literally 40 pages by itself. So we could not combine them. <laughs> so what do you think is going to happen in The Knot? Well, I thought that The Knot was going to be kind of the chapter where it leads in Twilight, where it leads up to the infamous meadow scene and it stops when he steps out into the sunlight. But if the next chapter after that is really long, I wonder if that's going to be that. I mean, The Knot is cl clearly referring to what Alice was talking about with all of her visions. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be the car ride to the meadow. I don't know if it's going to include actually like being at the meadow. I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to say it's going to be similar to the twilight one where it's the leading up to the infamous meadow scene. Okay. I like it. We'll find out next week. So I guess that's about all we have for you. We're just grinding along, just getting through this book. It's pretty crazy. So our social media, we are on Instagram and Tumblr at Tuesdays are for Twilight. We're on Twitter at Taft Pod, T-A-F-T Pod. You can email us at Tuesdays are for Twilight at gmail.com. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. I'm going to make Paige do this next time. See, what, see how she does it. See her little flair. But until then, do you have anything you want to add, Paige? Never stop reaching for the stars. So we'll see you next week for Chapter 16 of Midnight Sun. Bye, guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. Bye.